You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. There's various platitudes out there that, you know, that are intended to really discourage people from studying eschatology, the doctrine of last things, or more specifically on the second coming of Christ. And some of these slogans, on the surface, they may sound nice and pious, but on closer examination, they're it's just not biblical reality. And they're not biblical reality because when they're shown in light of Scripture, uh, they are deflated. So I want to play for you now uh, a portion of my introduction responding to these platitudes and responding with the Bible, responding with Jesus' own words and Paul's own words and the words from the book of Revelation, which of course are the words of Christ. And I'm certain that that all of you have heard at least one of these platitudes, if not more. And maybe maybe some of these platitudes you know, have deflated your enthusiasm to study you know, the doctrine of eschatology in times. Well, I am going to equip you to respond to them in a meaningful fashion with, of course, God's Word. I'm Alan Kirshner of Eschatos Ministries. And the ministry is dedicated to teaching eschatology, particularly from a certain perspective, what's called a, a premillennial futurist pre-wrath perspective. If you never heard of the term pre-wrath, uh, you'll understand it at the end of today. Most popular view out there, which is called pre-tribulationism. And maybe some of you today here are, come from a pre-tribulational perspective, and if you don't know what that is, I'll be explaining uh, some of these terms. And if you do come from a different perspective, I'm glad you're here. You know, all I ask is you don't have to agree with everything I, I say today, although I'm going to try to give a, a, a biblical case for uh, my perspective. But what I, do under, what I do ask is that you just understand uh, my, the, the biblical argumentation today, the case that I want to make, because I believe it is very important I believe this message is very important because there's a consistent warning in Scripture that God has ordained the last generation of the church to experience its most unprecedented persecution ever in its history. And I believe that Satan wants the church to be ignorant of it, ignore it, do whatever it can just not to understand and take heed to its warnings. Okay, the introduction is approaching biblical prophecy. At the outset here, I want to basically deflate some platitudes that are out there, very popular platitudes or slogans that you may encounter when you talk to other people about the second coming of Christ. And the first one, so I'll just list a few of these here. Uh, often you might hear, well, what only matters is the fact that Jesus is returning. I'm just curious, how many have heard that platitude? Right? All right, I see shaking heads, yeah. 
Another one, it will all pan out in the end. Uh, no, it, no, it won't. Jesus does not say that. Yes, of course, Jesus is going to have ultimate victory, right? That's the end. But there's something called the means that, you know, before the victory, uh, why does Jesus, some of the most severe warnings from Christ have to do with before the end? Not after the end or the end itself, but before the end. And another platitude as well, this doctrine divides the church. And I can tell you there's many people out there right now that they do not believe that these seminars should exist. They believe this is dividing the church, and I'm going to have a few things to say about that in a moment here. <clears throat> in fact, I, I believe that these, these type of seminars, the biblical teaching, uh, unifies the church. Mm-hmm. Ignoring an issue, silence and conformity is not unity. That's disunity. I believe that meaningful biblical interaction among Bible-believing Christians is a good thing. <laughs> Right? And hey, at the end of the day, even though we, we may not all agree, we can still have fellowship and unity. Uh, another platitude who are you to think that you have the right answer? That kind of undermines the pers- perspicuity of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture. It also undermines, uh, this platitude also undermines uh, <clears throat> the authority of Scripture as well. Because Jesus commanded us to have the right answer, as we'll see. Uh, Another platitude is theologians have been debating this for centuries. Yeah, they've been debating a lot of doctrines. The gospel has been debated for many centuries. Are we supposed to just ignore it, right? We're supposed to fight for biblical truth. Uh, Another view is, well, there's so many views out there. Actually, there, there isn't. There's like three or four views out there. All right, so how do, we, how do we counter these platitudes? How do we deflate them? Well, we deflate them with the word of God. Uh, look at the, uh, Matthew 24 on page one of your workbook here. Study God. Matthew 24, 25. Jesus himself. This is, uh, so Matthew 24, right? It's in the Olivet Discourse. This is the, one of the longest discourses Jesus gave in his earthly ministry. It's toward the end of his ministry. It's Matthew 24, 25. Also, there's a, an account of it in parallel account in Luke 21 and Mark 13. And here Jesus says, in the context of the Antichrist great tribulation, Jesus says, he ominously warns us to be aware of what will happen before he returns. He says, see, I have told you beforehand. Now, Jesus doesn't simply say, hey, I, I've warned you here. No, he says, I have told you beforehand. That's, that's an ominous warning. In other words, what that is implying is that once these events begin and you're not prepared, it's going to be too late to get your spiritual house in order. You, not, you know, you're going to find yourself in this time and then you're going to be fretting about you know, what's going on and all this, instead of having a peace about, okay, I understand, this is what Jesus told us what would happen, right? At Luke 18, I have a cross-reference here, Luke 18, 8, we're probably all familiar with that verse, it says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Well, that's another ominous warning. That implies that when Jesus does return, there's not going to be much faith 
There's going to be a lot of apostasy, but there's not going to be much faith. Uh, Matthew 24, in the next bullet point here, Matthew 24, verse 32 to 33. This is, this is in the context of Jesus just explained, he described all these events that are going to happen before his return. And then he, then he says, learn this parable from the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also you, when you see all these things, know that he is near right at the door. So, who, you know, these platitudes, whoever says that, well, we can't really know uh, these events. When are they going to happen? Whatnot. Jesus says, no, you, you're actually going to know the season. You're going to know the season. You're not going to know the day or the hour, but you're going to know the season of these events. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Paul warns, and this is, again, specifically in the context of the Great Tribulation, Antichrist's Great Tribulation. He says, let no one deceive you for, in, for any way, in any way, for, and then he goes on, he explains, well, two events have to happen before the day of the Lord's wrath. Uh, the book of Revelation says, it opens up. The book of Revelation opens up with this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what? What must happen very soon? He made it clear by sending his angel to his servant John. Blessed is the one who reads the prophecy, words of this prophecy aloud. And blessed are those who hear and obey the things written in it because the time is near. So the book of Revelation is not some extensive platitude, some extensive, yeah, Christian platitude uh, where a lot of people do just simply spiritualize it. No, there's content to it. There's events, historical events that are going to happen. Now, here's another slogan. Uh, <clears throat> it says, what only matters is that you are saved. But that's not true. That's not true because there's something called the means of salvation or the, or, or the means of persevering the faith. Why all the warnings then in scripture? Why the severe warnings? If it just matters, hey, we'll just, you know, we got our card stamped, if you will. I guess, you know, then why the warnings? Well, there is in the book of Revelation, there is a eternal consequence for ignoring God's warning. Uh, if you would, turn to Revelation 14, verse 9. So Revelation 14, 9. This, this passage is in the context of, <clears throat> it's in the context of, there's a, and three angelic beings who are giving three warnings to humankind. It's a universal warning. And, don't have time to get into this, but it's, I believe this is all in the context of just before Jesus returns to deliver his people and meet out his judgment. And this warning, starting in verse 9, the angel says, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, 
he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of its name. Let me just stop there for a moment. So here we have a warning. This is the most explicit passage in the entire Bible on hell. And it's specifically on the con- in the context of the Antichrist mark and his beast, or uh, the mark and his image. So it's interesting that the most explicit passage on hell in the Bible is in the context of the Antichrist mark system. Don't take the mark, or you're going to suffer eternal consequences. Now, someone said, well, oh, that's, a, that's a warning to unbelievers. Really, read on. Look at verse 14, verse 12. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Wait a minute. I thought we're raptured out of here before the Antichrist Mark system. Why is this a warning to believers? So anyone who says that eschatology, well, what matters is that you're saved, has nothing to do with the eternal soul. This passage says it has everything to do with the eternal soul. If you take the Antichrist mark system, if you worship the Antichrist, you will suffer eternal perdition that is explicit in Scripture. And I have seen many Prophecy interpreters try to get around this text, and they can't. This is as explicit as you can be. So this is very relevant, very relevant to one's salvation. Okay, the the next bullet point here, we'll move on. Um, So the doctrine of the second coming of Christ should not divide the body of Christ, but it should unify it. I'm here to be a unifier. I'm not here to divide believers. I want to unify them in the truth of God's word. Now, I mentioned here this requires meaningful interaction. I'm not here to say, hey, this is what I believe. See you guys later. No, I want interaction, right? I want a meaningful, if you disagree, Right? That's why I'm going to have some questions after each period. So, a meaningful interaction, it's not by you know, silence or ignoring this issue. We need to have meaningful interaction, people. Tradition in churches happen, tra- encrusted traditions happen in churches. You know how that happens? When people ignore an issue or there's conformity. Everyone knows, oh, you can't talk about that. That's how tradition happens. <clears throat> but we're supposed to be Bereans, testing man's word with what God says. <laughs> 